All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. And this is episode 37. We're almost turning 40. And to those of you who don't know, yes, this is our last episode of the year. And what year we're in? 2021. But it definitely felt like it was 2020 on repeat, I would say. Um, And this has become kind of a tradition now to devote this last episode to, um, you know, looking back into what we have accomplished and also to um, look forward to what's coming ahead. So first and foremost, I'm here joined by the two musketeers, the two partners in crime, Mike and Andrew. How's it going, boys? Howdy. Howdy, howdy. Going well. So, well, today we have another exciting um, podcast episode, and I've decided that we're going to devote about 10 to 15 minutes to each segment. So we're going to try to stick to the timing here. So I actually have my my <laughs> phone timer here. That's what I was looking at was earlier. Say, Mike is like, you're really you dedicating at, yourself man? to this time management. Uh, I am. I am. That's one of my my uh, goals for 2022 is to really get better with my timing. I was gonna say you were late today. <laughs> for the record, <laughs> folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't Stay a different tuned for that one. Yeah. yeah. Um. But anyway, so um. And you didn't First get the flannel foremost, memo either. Mike and I got our flannel on, and I don't know. Where oh yeah. Are, so no, no, we have to release this on a Friday. We totally okay. have to. This is a flannel. It's just not like the same flannel as, as your flannel. If you're flannel. watching on YouTube, you understand. If you're listening to the audio version, you have no idea. But Leo, that's no, right. that's not flannel. That's, that's well, it's kind of a flannel. It's a fleece. <laughs> it looks, it's almost it flannel. It though. It looks very toit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so quickly, before we, we talk about the, we jump into the episode. So today we have a couple of segments. So the first segment and the first part of the podcast we're going to be talking about five lessons or lessons that we have learned from the top three episodes from um, 2021. And if you haven't um, checked out the episodes in 2021, we strongly recommend that you listen to them. We had an amazing corrective feedback series. We had interviews with some re- really wonderful researchers, teachers, and and, and uh, professionals in the language education industry. And in the second segment, we're going to be talking about WOTI. I don't know if you guys know what WOTI what? stands for. <laughs> what? <laughs> WOTI. It's not, a, it's not a, an Australian accent. WOTI. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what that is, but it's uh, W-O-T-Y. Well, you're going to have to eventually because I have no idea. What is, something, is this something you made up? No, it's not something I made up. <laughs> and we're going to wrap up the episode in the third segment by talking about what we have learned and what we will do about those things. So right. uh, don't forget, if you are listening to this podcast episode, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to check our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to share this with your friends. This is a labor of love. We've been doing this podcast for almost three years now, boys. I know. Yeah, it's our third year anniversary in January. We should plan something for that. Even before um, the pandemic, if you can believe it. 
That's right. That's, That's right. right. We're pre we're pre plan pre pre pandemic podcasters. Yeah. That's right. That's Easy right. For you yeah. To say. Almost like yeah. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, yeah. Trailblazers. <laughs> One could say so, yeah, right. Yeah. I would like to start by P -P -P. asking you <laughs> by asking you both. TTT with the PPP. To think about one word, one word that you would use to describe 2021. Long. A blur. Oh. Yeah, blurry. Blurry. Okay. Yeah, blurry. Mike, would you like to explain why blurry? Oh, yeah. Like, well, you touched on it earlier. Like, I can't tell where 2020 <laughs> ended and 2020 began. Um, it kind of feels like we're on this constant loop of of COVID, of, of changing regulations and restrictions, of, of opening and then reopening rather than closing then reopening. So it's just kind of been this perpetuated cycle of, um, of, of cycles. Right. <laughs> really. A cycle yeah. of cycles. I'm doing yeah. a really Andrew, good job of, uh, of learning the Greek alphabet, though. Yeah. Omni, That's right. Yeah. Delta, all of these things that we're learning. So Omicron. <laughs> Which is not Greek. It's probably like uh, I don't know. And Andrew said long. Why? Uh, I guess it's the same as Mike. It just seems like a blur. It seems like it all blends together. I think I, I don't know. Usually years are like distinct for me. And like oh, and this year I accomplished this, and this year I did this, and this year I did this. I feel like this has just been one long water slide at the world's worst amusement park. You know, um, things that blurred. I mean, there are things that we're accomplishing, and I'm accomplishing, and we're all doing individual things, but. Like I have to go, I don't have to, but I still have you know, where we were working, the, the college that we were working at when March 2020 happened. I don't know about you. I still have stuff there. I have my shoes are there. My jacket's there. Because that oh, wow. day that we left, I've never been back. And I have to like make an appointment to go and get it. And it's almost it's almost two years to the day. Yeah. And it's like yeah. I still have like my pre-pandemic ghost is sitting in the chair in the office and that's cool. So I have to go get it. So blur, it all kind of, and that doesn't seem that long ago. I mean, if we're being realistic about this, so, but it was two years, you know, 700, whatever days, whatever the math is on that. Uh, it's a long time ago, but it does seem like it was really recent. Mm -hmm. Interesting. For me, it would be the word pivot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of, um, a lot of changes and I feel like, that the word pivot would be a good word to describe 2021 um, for me. A lot of turns, a lot of, it's kind of related to what both of you said. It's a lot of turns, a lot of twists. Um, and in a, in a good way, I guess, in a good way. Um, I've changed my mind. I've changed my opinion. I've, I've changed jobs. So things were very different from what they were about a year ago or even six months ago. I was talking to someone recently and they said, oh, Leo, I met you six months ago and I've talk I talked to you now in December and you're like, you are a completely different person. I said, thank God. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I, I hope I am different. I don't want to be the same person I was six months ago. So, yeah. So let's start with the first segment here. I'm going to hit my timer. You're your own doppelganger. That's right. That's mm. right. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I, I was about to pitch your, um, since you, you've pivoted, I was about to pitch your new series that's coming out on um, the PPP approach and why it's valuable. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's good to hear that you've pivoted. and changed. <laughs> that's right. You, you should yeah. you should be waiting for that one. It's coming. It's coming out as soon as uh, COVID disappears, which should might be never because apparently we're going to be having a cycle of 
different uh, variables. Um, so folks, uh, those of you listening to this episode, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the episodes in 2021, we've had amazing guests. I'm going to start by asking you two, if you remember who we talked to in February, in March, what happened this year on the Teacher Talking Time podcast? Well, I remember. Um, February was was Scott. I you know we released it in February. We may have actually talked to him in January, if I'm remembering. But we definitely released it in February. I want to say it was around Valentine's Day. So, yeah, Scott is Scott Thornbury, obviously, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and that was a highlight for me, for sure. Um, we re- talked did some some great episodes this year, but but that one is, I believe, the most listened to, um, which is cool. But also, I think you know Scott's a great storyteller and a great obviously, uh, ambassador for, for teaching and for learning and for education in mm-hmm. general. So it was a privilege to mm-hmm. be able to speak with him. We also had a corrective feedback series. I don't know if you guys remember that in partnership with our friends at Carleton University. Yeah, that was great because it gave the students there a real voice, right? It let them kind of take control over what they were learning in the class and to share that with the rest of the world, which I think is um, a real privilege, right? And a real mm-hmm. opportunity for these people because we kind of put ourselves in these bubbles, especially during COVID, because I think even at that point, we were all still online. Um, and some of us are still online, but uh, but it was very much the case back then. So it was just a nice way to kind of bring their research and all their great hard work to the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great to, series. To Dr. Eva Kachavik at Carleton in Ottawa uh, here in Canada for, for approaching us about that, because that was a very cool. Give us, uh, give our voices a break, but also yes. uh, allowed our listeners to get a different perspective and to learn from different people and, and to give podcasting a chance for, for, for those MA students in, in her class. So yeah, that was, that was really, exactly. really cool. Exactly. Um, we've had more people. I'm not going to talk about them right now because we're going to be talking about the top three episodes from 2021. So I'm going to ask you if you guys know who the third most listened to episode was. Any ideas? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know because I looked <laughs> looked it up. Oh, you, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I, think <laughs> you, I might have some inside information here. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Maybe the listeners can try to guess. Maybe the listeners sure. can try to Give guess. Give them the three was Mississippis it, here. Yeah, what would yeah. be some themes? Yeah. So we have error correction. We have material like teaching. We have pronunciation. Conversation uh, strategies. Conversation strategies, communicative competence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, accident so, discrimination as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the third most listened to episode, folks, was Chris Jones. So a big shout out to Chris hey. for, for joining the podcast. Um. What do you guys remember about the podcast? What were some important lessons that you have extracted from that podcast? Let's talk about that quickly. Um, I remember he was, he, off the top of my head, his new book, or at that time, his new book was called Conversation Strategies and something, I'm forgetting the second part of the book, but he, he talked mm-hmm. about how to use conversation strategies in our classes with our students, um, similar to what we talk about with receptive skills a lot, with not just testing receptive skills, but actually teaching the skills of of, mm-hmm. of learning how to listen and how to read better. Um, so teaching students, giving them that autonomy to to speak and not just to test speaking and to give them autonomy mm-hmm. to actually improve their speaking, which at times is is more difficult to see uh, tangible progress than, than writing, for example. Right. Mike? Yeah, no, for me, I think the big thing that stood out was this alternative approach to how we typically teach spoken English, right? Mm-hmm. So not teaching spoken English the same way we teach written English, right? And I think 
that we need to kind of get away from that. And one thing that stood out was he, he talked a little bit about taking the target language or the focus of the lesson and actually putting it into the nature of interaction, which I thought was key, right? Which is, again, getting away from teaching sentences when we're teaching um, spoken English and rather teaching language and discourse in spoken Mm -hmm. English. And I think, sorry, Leo, you go. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, because I think think what Andrew said and what really kind of resonated with me kind of speaks to this idea of teachers being actually researchers of, of discourse, right? And I think with, with certainly our um, uh, teacher accelerator program and, and what we do to help teachers is, is really kind of steer them towards this material light approach in which they're able to kind of analyze language and then recognize what the focus of or features of focus could be. And then again, teach them within that nature of interaction. So yeah. I just really liked the episode. I thought it was great. I, think, I thought it was very on point. And, mm-hmm. and, and very forward looking in terms of how we kind of change our teaching approach. Yeah. I think one thing that really stood out to me in that episode was um, almost like a, again, a little bit of confirmation bias here. um, But was the fact that that there is a lot, according to, to Chris and a lot of the research that has been done on the communicative approach that a lot of people notionally subscribe to a communicative approach, but they don't really provide affordances in the classroom for Mm -hmm. real communication to take place. And a lot of these interactions are not communicative after all. And connecting to what you said, Mike, I think that's the, bi- the biggest takeaway from you from Chris Jones is that there is, there is a difference between teaching conversation and teaching speaking. And I find that a lot of the times what students are doing in the classroom is they are speaking, or in other words, they are regurgitating very specific grammatical structures, but their turns are very short, Right. Whereas conversation, and I, I'm reminded of, of something that Thornbury said a long time ago, that conversation sometimes is very long. And sometimes a conversation can start in one class and it can continue into a different lesson, right? So I think that's the idea of teaching conversation is thinking about teaching long conversations, conversations that would last not just one lesson, but they would last two, three, even a series um, of lessons. So if you, have had a, if you haven't had a chance to listen to this episode, we strongly recommend that you listen to it. It's a phenomenal um, episode. And if you have a chance, you can also buy a copy of Chris's book, um, Conversation Strategies. Yeah, Moving on Conversation Strategies on... and Communicative mm. Competence. That's the second. Part. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, good. And moving on the, uh, the charts here, we're getting to number two. Can mm. anyone guess what number two was the most listened to episode of the podcast this year? Mm suspense mm. i believe it was our friend jane setter or setter setter yes yes <laughs> we've been corrected a few times on that yes <laughs> <laughs> you were in that episode with me eh, andrew when we interviewed her yeah yeah that sure. was a that was a great episode Wonderful. i haven't even i've listened to that episode three times believe it or not have you yeah okay yeah mm. Yeah. And another, uh, she has a book as well that she just released uh, that I have, and it's great. Uh, oh, yeah, you read the book. Uh, Your Voice Speaks Volumes is the book. Okay. Um, which is, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I think the episode really encompasses a lot of what she writes in the book, a lot of different aspects of, of speech and prosody and um, accent discrimination, both, you know, overt and just kind of 
innate, I guess. And mm-hmm. I remember her telling a story about how TV networks choose actors for certain roles right. based on um, accents and tone and deep voice or not deep voice. And, you know, villains need to sound like this. So actors who sound like that get cast <sighs> as villains. And if you don't sound like that, you won't be cast as a villain because the audience won't believe it. And it was just like really, really, that was very fascinating. I never considered that before. I think that explains why it's so hard for me to force, for me to picture Robin Williams, Robin Williams <laughs> being a villain. Okay. He just doesn't have that tone of voice of a villain, right? He plays like, some there are killer certain, ones though. I know, but it wasn't, I don't think it was that good. Okay. Like, I don't think Robin Williams is a good bad guy. He's a great teacher in, in that poet society, for sure. you know. Uh, Photoshop. What's the other one? What was it called? Photo, photo booth, or Photoshop, or photo, one? photo something. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, photo something. Photo synthesis. Wow, <laughs> yeah, whatever. He's a stalker. I know that. I know Quite what you're talking Williams, about. Uh, yeah. Fans here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Robert Williams. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, no, he is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mike, any yeah. any specific um, takeaways from that episode with Jane? Yeah, like I really like the um, the story she told about her father in that mm. um, story, right? And and uh, that she kind of thought all of the focus that he put on her kind of refining her accent or sounding a particular way all kind of stemmed from him perhaps wanting her not to be held back by um, the way that she spoke and I kind of resonates with me actually uh, coming from Canada and having a regional accent and uh, having people in Asia kind of point that out to me in the teacher's room and then say that Mm. I have a thick accent or had a thick accent I think I've lost a lot of my accent actually which huh. I'm trying to retain now because I think it's actually something to be very proud of. Exactly, it's part of your yeah. identity, right? But but it's uh, it is quite it is quite interesting, right? To um, in terms of learners, right? We want them to uh, you know provide them with models so that they can kind of speak English the way they they want to be. Speaking is the way they want to sound, right? And sound mm-hmm. to others, mm-hmm. and, and even teachers, Mike. Important. Right? We don't want we don't want teachers to market themselves as native speakers, right? Well, well, that's just it, right? And I mean, I'm telling that story as a quote unquote native speaker, but I mean, I I think part of something we do as a company is really hope to kind of get away from that native speakerism, and uh, and uh, I thought that the podcast was quite good because it was mm-hmm. basically saying that that no, um, it's about sharing the burden, right? That yeah, that um. You, both both parties, the listener and the speaker, need to accommodate one another in this process, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a very essential part of communicative competence. And perhaps just because you're a quote unquote native speaker with a quote unquote clear accent doesn't mean you're a good communicator um, no and and are able to interact, right? So <laughs> I just thought it was a very powerful um, and, and personal episode. Yeah. Do you remember the part about the four seconds, Leo, that she was mentioning, which mm, I thought was yes. very interesting. And I think that is something that I had read in um, John John Reed's uh, book on uh, listening. I think it's listening in the classroom where she talks about this the, the fact that and it is also related to alignment, right? If you think about they're kind of all connected in the sense that it takes you about um, four four seconds to adjust to a very specific um, accent or to a very specific um, tone of voice. Whatever, and I think this is important. This has a lot of important implications for the classroom mm-hmm. because, well, yeah. yeah, no, well, because of that. We, no, that. Well, that's why we built it into our program, right? Yeah, we, yeah, we made that part of our, you know, the teaching listening, teaching, listening, yeah, yeah, the teaching listening made easy course. So yeah, well, even yeah, no, just I think when you a, think, sorry, no, go ahead, uh, go ahead, don't finish. Like, we, we think we're just phone calls and just like ordering food or talking to someone, or the phone rings and you answer it. You know, for me, it takes. I've never counted to four, but it takes 
how often just you call someone and they say, sorry, excuse me, or you say that back to them. And it's just that natural process of even if it can be super clear, quote unquote, there's still a process of adjusting your ear and adjusting your brain to this new person that you're talking to that you've never talked to before. I know when I start teaching a new class with brand new students, the first five or 10 minutes are always a little bit rough where they're like asking me to repeat a lot. And okay, maybe I'm not so clear when I speak, but I don't think I'm I'm unintelligible. So it's just a natural process of adjusting your ear to a new person that you're talking to. And mm-hmm. accent can be part of that, but there's a lot, of, a lot of other parts that that go into it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Which brings us, let's move, uh, let's move on up to number one, the one that is topping the charts here for us. Um, the most listened to episode in 2021 of the Teacher Talking Time podcast, folks. Which one do you think it was? Well, this is the Ask yeah. Us Anything where we do this, obviously, right? This is that's what people care about. No. <laughs> they care about our radio head takes and our Weezer takes. It's, it's yeah. gotta be. It's gotta be. Yes. Yeah, you guys got you guys got that one wrong. I'm sorry to say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, this has to be Thornberry. Exactly. You're right. Okay. Scott Thornberry with over a thousand downloads just for that specific episode. Not that we Great. care about numbers, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, there was, there was technically Jane Seta and Chris Jones were technically tied. Mm. If you ask me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so very quickly, important takeaways from that episode with Scott. Well, if you haven't listened, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to that one, stop listening right now. Yes. And go Spoilers. back. <laughs> That's <laughs> and right. Listen yeah, yeah. to that Good one. Call Leo. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh. Take. That's such a hard question. Takeaways. I mean, I don't remember that we actually talked very much. It's just really great just to listen to him and his story and and all the stories that he told and his vast experience and. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I I think it would maybe thinking about it just out talking out loud right now stands out is just how his story, as he explained it or told it, isn't at all different than most teachers stories and how he kind of discovered of yeah. what he wanted to do, you know, as a job pedagogically approach he wanted to adopt and how he kind of struggled with it and just kind of figured it out and just kind of went through some struggles and just kind of just made a decision and just did it. And I think for me, speaking about myself, you know, I look at people who are really successful and think, man, you know, how did they do that? And he kind of just walked us through that process and it, it wasn't, mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of line to say like it's just a, a very normal human process that he went through and he obviously went further with it than a lot of people end up doing but that mm-hmm. was encouraging where you can just say okay I can do this too and I can walk I can make these decisions and if I decide to teach like this or not teach like this you know I can make those decisions and I can do that Mike Yeah no Andrew I think I I think his story of his journey really stood out to me as well. Um, I thought it was quite unique to find myself in his journey. Um, and to, and to, and to, the hero's journey? Well, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not quite Scott Thornberry. But, uh, but no, no, just as you said, Andrew, like how he just got started in, in the field and then kind of found his own comfort zone and found his own place within it. And then it's, and now is one of the leaders in the field is quite interesting. Um, no, no, no. For me, I, I think it's... Um, that episode, although it was one of the first ones of the year, actually kind of, I think, brings um, the other top two episodes together, kind of weaves them all together. Because what really stood out to me was um, the discussions we had around materialist teaching um, really kind of tri- triggered or kind of tweaked these kind of internal thoughts I've been having myself about what is the role of instructional second language acquisition, right? And um 
And I think Chris Jones touched on this in his podcast. And I think that Jane Setup talked to, didn't talk directly about this, but I think what she said kind of speaks to it. And that is this idea that um, that really in the classroom, there's there's very little uh, what we can do, right? That that really it's not about teaching per se, that it's more about helping speed up the development um, that the students want to prioritize. And I thought mm -hmm. that um, his story about teaching present perfect and then not having the students produce it really kind of got to the heart of what Jason was saying. And I think what um, Jane said I was saying, which is basically students are going to invest interest depending mm -hmm. on one point or the other. It's us. It's up to us, as Dewey would say, to kind of um, tap into that psychological need, the desire for them to learn English mm -hmm. and then to um, find, as you said, Leo affordances for them to kind of yeah. guide Stop that teaching, development, right? steer that development. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Stop teaching, provide, <laughs> provide opportunities for development. Yeah. 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 I think honestly, um, for me personally, in that episode, what I really enjoyed was the research that I had to, to go through <laughs> to prepare for All that right, episode. You did I, have some good, uh, some good quiz questions. Or, I know, uh, right? Or, uh, yeah, yeah. Some, good some things he didn't even know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he's yeah, like, these are things I don't even tell my therapist. Yeah. Right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I know. I know. I, I went really deep. I, I was able to find like a lot of stories. Uh, you know, his background with, with Neil, this other Neil who worked in, in Barcelona. And, you know, the, the seeds of dogma, you know. And again, going back to what Mike said, it was really interesting to see that the seeds of dogma were there when he started teaching. Um, and I think at one point, do you remember when he said that uh, he said something like along the lines of like, oh, but this is the way to teach. This is how you teach. There's no other way. Mm -hmm. And then eventually he figured out this completely different way. And going back to what Mike was saying, where, you know, a lot of the times students, learners don't find room to speak as themselves. Like a lot of the time, they're just taking on this different role in the classroom. They don't use language in these communicative encounters. They don't create text. They're not stimulated to respond to other fellow learners or to even find solutions to problems that they might encounter in the language. And I think this conversation with, with Scott really helped me, again, solidify my own understanding of what a dialogic pedagogy entails and how students, whether they are going to study English for academic purposes or just to become a better software engineer, what have you, that they need to speak and that they need to write as themselves using the register that is appropriate to, to their discourse community. You know, And again, if you think about academia, and Mike likes to talk a lot about this, and I agree with him, is that academia is all about finding solutions to problems. And if we're teaching a model where the teacher is doing all the work, then the students are never going to be able to find solutions to the problems that they're going to encounter down the road. So removing materials or even keeping it to a minimum and ensuring that these that the, the, the language, the discourse that is being used in the classroom is fully exploited for their affordances, both skills and linguistic, I think is the essence of, of, um, of a dialogic pedagogy. And mm -hmm. I think this episode with, with Thornbury was by far one of my, I mean, I, I, I'm very happy. I can say that I will die a happy person because we actually recorded this podcast with him. Awesome. Grim, folks. Yeah. Grim. No, no, it's good, Leo. Yeah, yeah. That that uh, that distinction that he highlighted <laughs> goes as an extension of what you just said because that that stood out to me and has stood out uh, apart from the word 
inculcate, mm-hmm. which has become uh, a high-frequency word in our, our teacher community. <laughs> in our lexicon, yeah. <laughs> um, the distinction between preparing and preparedness, right. which is something that I've really taken to heart since that. It's something that anyway, I was aware of, but it's really come to, to the forefront of my my teacher mind where, you know, preparing or over-preparing in terms of, you know, for 10 minutes I do this and then five minutes I do this, you know, doesn't allow the space that you're talking about, Leo, for in general yeah. cases for students to, to solve their own problems. Um, but being prepared or my preparedness as an instructor to be able to react, to be able to see what issues they're having and be able to help them solve their own issues is a different thing. And, and that's something that we need to do all the time as teachers. Um, and the first one gets in the way of the second one more often than not. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I would agree, and I think Andrew, what 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 therefore we need to do is kind of a, as a field, I think is is to create a kind of community, right, where mm-hmm. where teachers are focusing on preparedness, not preparing, right, and I think that's something we certainly try to do within our own entity through our Acceler- teacher accelerator program, but but also through our just community of just our brain trust, if you will, of just members who have all of these great diverse world experiences and teaching experiences uh, where the focus is not on prescribing an approach per se, but rather on um, finding new ways of being that kind of inquiry driven teacher right. and, um, and responsive teacher, as you said, exactly. you know, adopting this dialogical approach. But I think that's just as a field, we need to move that direction. Right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And that's it, folks. So these were the top three episodes um, of our Teacher Talking Time podcast in 2021. Mm-hmm. We are looking forward to newer episodes in 2022. I think you're going to be hearing a lot more from us in 2022 in terms of um, new directions that we're going to be um, taking. Um, and I was actually doing a live last night, and I wanted to actually share a quote with both of you, because I think it's an interesting quote. And it's a quote that I borrowed from our good friend, James Clear, who should come on the podcast at some oh, point. Yeah. But it was an interesting quote. It said, he said basically that you only need to know the direction, not the destination. And I think that speaks to lesson planning, to where we're going as a company. The direction should be enough for you to make the next choice. And when I think about direction, I think about process. When I think about destination, I think about outcome. And we all know this. We know that we have reached destinations in our careers. And eventually we were like, that's it. I want more. I want to try something different. So if we know the direction, that's enough to make the next choice. Amen. And yeah, we'll we'll take a quick break right now. And we'll be right back with the second segment where we're going to be talking about Wati. Hi there, my name is Agnes Rubinho. I'm a teacher. I have been um, part of the Learn Your English community since September 2020. And I couldn't be more grateful for having had the opportunity to join the community because I've been working on my own since 2004. I've been a teacher for 27 years now. But before that, I used to work for schools and uh, I worked for three different schools which used different methodologies. And at that time, I felt that some methodologies worked for some people, but for most people, it didn't work. So I didn't feel I had the flexibility to work on what I believed. 
And in 2004, I decided to go freelance and I would like, I could, I could work the way I believed based on the student's needs. But for many years, I believe, I felt, I felt really bad because I wasn't applying any methodology in particular. I was working on what the students brought me. And once I joined the community and I started learning a lot, so I learned about dogma and then I learned about the power of visualization. I remember this month, it was really good. I worked with a lot of students on that. And then they started talking about TBLT. We've been, we've been reading uh, Dave Willis' book and I've been learning so much because when I set the CPE, uh, when I had a course to see the CPE, at the time it was called CPE, it, was on, it wasn't C2, <laughs> it was CPE. And uh, the next natural step would be to take the CELTA. But I learned a lot about this and I didn't feel, I didn't feel it fit me. I didn't like the way uh, I learned about CELTA. And I decided not to keep on studying. I just had a postgraduate course in English in my, in my country, but it still didn't help me. It still didn't teach me. It wasn't practical. And I still, I was still working on what I believed with my students. So for a while, I felt like a fraud because I, I was working on my own ideas. And then Learn Your English came and showed me that it's possible to apply a methodology based on the student's needs. And now I have in my classes a combination of dogma and TBLT. I work mostly with private students and one-to-one -one classes, all of my students are private. And I, I came here to thank you guys because the, the work you develop and the, the work you provide is, is priceless. And every teacher I talk to, I go like, oh, okay, oh, I, I meet a new teacher online. I meet a new teacher on Instagram. I say, oh, you should go to learn your English. You should learn what these guys are teaching because this is the future. And now I don't feel I don't feel like a fraud anymore because now there is there are, there is a reason why I felt uh, I needed to work like that. Yeah, so there is evidence behind it, and now I'm learning how to apply it. My classes have increased by like increased no in, improved by leaps and bounds, and I I am I know it's been long like for almost four minutes speaking. But I can't express how grateful I am for you guys in short, in a short time. It has to be long because it's the best choice I made. It's, it's an, uh, impossible to express. Yeah, the best choice I made when I joined the community. That's why I share this with everyone and I should, I think everyone should join it as well. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't be more grateful. Thank you guys. Take care. Hi everyone. My name is Carrie. What's up everyone? My name is Johan. I'm Rocio. My name is Azat Bostash. This is Alex. My name is Yasmin. My name is Ethan. 
Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Angela from Columbus, Ohio. Hi, everybody. My name is Kimberly, and I'm from Malawi. Hi, everyone. My name is Marek Kiczkowiak, and I'm from Poland. Hey, everyone. My name is Maurice, and I'm from Ivory Coast. I'm from Singapore. I live in Costa Rica. Pavna, and I come from Nepal. I'm from France. And I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'm from Hoosquan in Sweden. From El Salvador. From Macau. From Vietnam. From Korea. And I'm from Turkey. I'm from China. I'm originally from Egypt. I lived in the UK and the UAE, and I'm now living in Canada. You're listening to. You're listening to. And now you're listening to. This is Teacher Talking Time. Teacher Talking Time. Teacher Talking Time. Teacher Talking Time. The Learn Your English. The Learn Your English. The Learn Your English podcast. And you're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. What's up, my people? What's up, everyone? I hope everyone's everyone's doing okay. Uh, I'm Ian. My name is Ian Salif. I'm from Russia. Live in Ecuador in this moment. And uh, you are listening to the Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. <laughs> All right, and we are back with the second segment of our um, Year in Review podcast, episode number 37. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you, those of you listening, those of you watching this, I wanted to ask you a very simple question. Does anyone here know what WOTI stands for w-o-t-y <laughs> it's not a new uh variable of the virus by the way just so you guys know <laughs> well that's a relief wearer yeah. of thermal don't know yoga pants yoga pants there you go but then you have you have a y and a p there that's it work. could be one word that's <laughs> No, 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 no. This is uh, this is a very simple acronym, folks. Water over big... the the yoke, yoga pants. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wati stands for word of the year. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, there yeah. you go. Well, that's simple. And we've we talk a lot about this. We always talk about the word of the year, and uh, you know, can you guys kind of guess? Actually, before we look at the word of the year, what what was, I'm going to ask those of you watching, those of you listening, what was the word of the year for you? Mm. Personally. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know if I have one. Um, No. Word of the year for me. Nothing comes to mind. Um, Mm. No, Mike? (laughs) <laughs> no wow okay no yeah. well i mean there's lots of like covid related ones but i don't want to choose one of those i mean well believe it or not most of the, the most frequent words of 2021 <laughs> i'm sure it's like covid variant or delta or you know something like that yeah but is Booster. there a word that kind of is there a word that got you through the year andrew or um would summarize all the success because i think we talked a little bit at the beginning about this year being a blur but obviously there were great yeah, high okay. points that we all enjoyed it's not a yeah. word but i think ebb and flow is one that okay. is, is, is good for me i just you know you have highs you have lows and especially in this new world that we're living in where everyone you know everything is different we're teaching online or we're not or we have our previous job or we don't or we're going in new directions and just in a pandemic there's ebbs and there's flows there's things periods of time that things work out and periods of times where they don't um but that's you know, I've been on the on the ride and just like everybody else has around the world. And, you know, there were times where I was kind of down and then it's kind of have to remind yourself that <laughs> I don't know if that's the ebb or if the ebb is the up and the flow is the down or which one, <laughs> which one is which. But 
<laughs> I think the app is the down. That as a teacher, yeah, yeah. I think the app is the down, and the flow is that you just flow with it, <laughs> and then the app goes up, and then you flow with this it. Sounds it's right. like it's learning how to ride that wave. Applying Not the, the fifth sound wave, right I hope. There. Not the right fifth deal, wave. Yeah. No, uh, the fifth wave pool maybe or is being installed in the backyard, um, right. but certainly, and the opposite. Like when things are going really well, to kind of also stay kind of centered and say well okay they're going really well this is not necessarily going to continue and just having it's easier said than done for obvious reasons but trying to stay level and just know that there it is a ride and it does go up and it does go down and when you're at the peak or you're in the valley um mm -hmm. you know the the roller coaster keeps moving um sometimes it's harder to stay on the ride but uh, for me that's I think that's that's mine. Ebb and flow for for the last twelve months. Okay, Mike. What was the word of the year for you? You know, yeah, I, I have words of the year. So, okay. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a. I have a phrase as well, uh, Andrew. So, yeah, very early on, um, I adopted a uh, a motto from one of my favorite TV shows. So, just a quick shout out to um, uh, the the boys at uh, the Curse of Oak Island, uh, the Oak Island Treasure Story. I'm from Nova Scotia. It's a great story on the History Channel. It's based in Mahone Bay, Oak Island. Of course, it's been rumored to have a treasure. And for hundreds of years, people have been looking for this treasure. There's a group of brothers um, that are currently doing it. And they're uh, Italian-American. And, and they've come, you know, they've, they've always kind of been bombarded by challenges and hurdles, oftentimes things out of their control, very unanticipated. And... Um, they, they always kind of repeat this phrase from Italian. I'm going to say it, but uh, you can comment in the, in the comments about if I butcher this, but it's a sempre avanti, avanti, sempre yeah, avanti. Sempre avanti, sempre yeah, avanti. Always forward. And um, I, I think I heard that like, re, like maybe in December of 2020. And then in, in January, I kind of made that my motto. And it's really kind of got me through, well, it's got me through my candidacy with my PhD and then all of these pivots that we've made as a company and, and all the other things in my personal life. And I, I just thought, no, I think that that motto that's borrowed from those brothers and that great series that I would encourage people to watch if they do like history. Um, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's meant a lot to me and it's kind of kept me positive. Nice. Nice. Are you going to tattoo that on your arm or somewhere, uh, or somewhere else? No, no, I, I don't. I don't do. I don't do body <laughs> art, but uh, it's out there for our, for our listeners, our audience. Yeah, that's a good tattoo, man. I would definitely get uh, that on my one. Yeah, yeah. on my one of my butt cheeks, I guess. Um, Beautiful. But then it'd be backwards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> have to get the, the mirror image of it. <laughs> yeah, image of it. I mean, that could be a good forehead tattoo. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> too funny. Uh, Tattoo tough. of the year. That's that's the one. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just gotta make sure that you know how to um, spell Avanti properly, right? Yeah. Um, well, I would like to talk about the word of the year according to dictionaries, according to Oxford Dictionary, to be more precise. Okay. Um, I don't know if you. Uh, well, the word of the year for me, it was the word vaccination because I feel like in a lot of my classes. I was always talking about vaccines. I was always asking questions of vaccines. I got vaccinated. And believe it or not, vax, which is the, the colloquialism for either vaccine or vaccination as a noun or vaccinate as a verb, um, 
has basically increased in frequency and has been nominated the word of the year. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. That so, makes sense. That's that's yeah. part of the blur, right? Because that was only for me six months ago that I I got my my vaccine. But that seems years ago. But that was this yeah. year. So that is that does that makes sense. Which is interesting because it connects to the word of the year in 2020, which is COVID. So now there is a vax mm-hmm. for COVID. So they're, they're both. If you think about it, that goes back to what you said, Mike. It's it's just basically um, a, a cycle. Like we're kind of like living this groundhog years, <laughs> groundhog I guess. Day year, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a good, I, yeah, you hear that all the time, though, don't you? Double yeah. vaxed, you know, unvaxed. Yeah. Unvaxed, double vax, anti-vax, yeah, I, right? Anti-vax, anti-vax yeah. <laughs> anti-vax, yeah. 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 I, I mean, maybe second or third place could be jab. I wonder. Yeah, like, you, right? you, you're right. I actually have the list here. Um, but one interesting uh, trivia fact here: the story of vaccines goes back to the 1790s, hmm. right? That's when the word vaccine was officially coined, and followed soon after that by words related opposed to vaccination. So the anti-vaxxers have been around for a very long time, which is the anti-vaccinist. I didn't even know the vaccinist okay. was a word. Hmm. Um, Fancy. But yeah. It, sound, it makes it sound scientific. <laughs> yes. Yes. Strangely and then we, yeah. we got a lot of the, um, we become, people become very inventive with the language. And that's how we have the word vaxi, you know, yeah. uh, getting a jab, right? Mm-hmm. Getting a shot. Even I even heard the word jag. I don't know if you guys heard this word before. Getting a jag, depending on where no. in the world you are. Okay. I, uh, yeah. I I don't know if it's a regional thing, but we when I was uh, when I used to play hockey when I was a teenager, it was uh, yeah, you get your jag on, right? You get like mm. kind of high, you get up. It could just be also drinking and pot smoking. I don't know what what the connection is between <laughs> smoking and um, hockey, but uh, yeah. It says something about Canadian hockey. There players, we go. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. the yin and the yang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Getting but, jagged, get your jagged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's also interesting, and as I actually found the corpus um, frequency of the word vaccine, and it's very interesting because the word more than doubled in frequency between September 2020 and September 2021, and the highest number of occurrences for the word vaccine or vaccination, whatever. Um, was in December, hitting a low of like almost 700 000, uh, million tokens. And then it really reached a high in January with over 700 um, million um, tokens wow. or, or frequency. Yeah, yeah. Just and as it kind of like goes down. Just as you're telling that story, I have like images of a COVID update where uh, it's, it's, it's tokens peaked or spiked. <laughs> Yes. At this point of year, I wonder and if you know it's inch. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead. No, no. No, no. I, was, I wonder if it's going to decrease significantly now because now I, mm-hmm. I'm. This is just anecdotal, but I'm not hearing the word vaccine very much. I'm just hearing booster, booster shot, booster mm. shot, booster ah. shot. So the word vaccine may not. Be, I mean, it's the same thing, obviously. But the it's word already is, going down. Yeah, mm-hmm. as of like September, the 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 frequency of the word vaccine is already like down to like 400 now. Um, and it's interesting because I eventually I did some research on colocates with the word vaccine. So in, um, you know, from October to December, we had like words like vaccine candidate, vaccine distribution, vaccine development, vaccine rollout, yes. right? vaccine oh, approval. Yeah, yeah. So it's amazing how it's amazing how, how the development 
or, or how the world is developing, language kind of follows suit. I find that fascinating. And then in January, from January to March, the collocations changed. We had things like vaccine dose, vaccine distribution, mm. vaccine supply, vaccine appointment. And that, that's when the first, the first, the word vaccine, the collocation vaccine passport was first introduced, uh, okay. which right. were not yeah. two words that collocated before. But now we have this new, this new collocation. But we also have the word, the collocation vaccine hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. You're very good at noticing right. language, Leo. This is very good. Yes, yes. Um, it's interesting. It's just it's just interesting to notice all how these all these nouns modified by vaccine um, entered our our lexicon. Do you and know? Of course, the, we had a. Uh, do you know where the word vaccine comes from? I just looked this up. No, no. Where? It's Latin, according to Merriam-Webster. Uh, oh. Vaccine comes from the Latin uh, vaca, which means cow. Yeah. In Latin. Because the term was initially used to refer to inoculation using doses mm. of cowpox. Okay. Uh, that that was discovered and it protected humans against smallpox. Wow. So that dates back to the 1880s, as you kind of mentioned earlier, Leo. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in English, at least. So vaca, the Latin word for cow, uh, is where we get vaccine uh, mm-hmm. coming from. Uh, an inoculation for smallpox. Well, and the word inoculate, booster, jab, shots, they all have experienced a, a surge in terms of um, usage as well. And of course, mm. we can't forget the adjective or the compound adjective, single dose, two dose, <laughs> double jab, right? <laughs> Anti-vaxxer, you know, we have all these these um these very interesting and then the words. names of the companies like is it a pfizer is it a moderna yes. AstraZeneca, right, yeah. one and one yeah. what did you get <laughs> <laughs> what did you get wow now here's another interesting fact another interesting trivia for all of you is there is some variation in the spelling of the word vax so which one do you think is more common with one x or double x oh wow i'd guess one x but i really have no idea yeah interesting same, same, yeah, I guess. 1X, okay, so you're right. 1X is more common. However, if you decide to inflect the word vax, then you have to write it with a double. So you're like, vaxed would be two X's, mm-hmm. right? Instead of vax with 1X. Um, just, just I, I don't know why I'm obsessed about it's this. It's interesting, because this is not, I hesitate to say this is not a real word, because it, language evolves, but because apparently it's what ha- it's what's happening is when people have this participle with the V-A-C-C spelling, they change the C's to X's, which is interesting. Exactly. Right? And if you think about the word anti-vaxxer, which is also an inflection of vax, mm-hmm. you have the double X. So the spelling right? changes when the noun becomes not a thing, but a person. Yeah, yeah. So vaxed, vexes, vaxing. It's amazing how language has evolved. <laughs> yeah, and this is these are not what decisions. <laughs> obviously, this is just normal. Like, just it just happens. It's very it's very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, other yeah. words, Merriam-Webster words of the year, um, perseverance is another one. Oh. So, vaccine and perseverance is another word of the year for them. Mm-hmm. So, makes sense as well. Interesting, very interesting. Ah, Kikada, yeah. which I've never heard before, so I don't know what that is. C I C A D A. Cicada? Cicada? Mm. Don't know why that's on the list. 
Oh, because they had the cicada swarms. If that is cicada, I, how do which one where, was it? Cicada, Andy? yeah, it's a it's a mm. bug, an insect. Yeah. Mm. yeah, in the states they had swarms of them. Andrew, you said something interesting because you said the word vax comes from vaca, which means cow, which is the same word in Spanish and in Portuguese mm -hmm. or derived from a cow. Um, I'm wondering if people who were anti-vaxxers, they also were anti-animals, like killing animals or eating animals. It's a good question. I just thought that about that That would be interesting yeah. to do a poll. Anti-vaxxers, yeah. anti vegetarians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who knows? True. I don't know. And it's also interesting because if you think about the word "vax," we we, it's almost like what we do with tickets. We do we add an X to T I X, right, for tickets, and we did the same thing with vaccine because the phonetic of vaccine is double C, so we replace that double C for an X, mm -hmm. right? It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, language is a fascinating thing. Um. Anyway, well, that was uh, that was uh, that was it, folks. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the of to this segment of our um, of our episode. We're going to take a very quick break right now, and we will move on to our last segment where we will talk about what we have learned and what we will do about it. We'll see you in a bit. Hi, I'm Leandro. I'm a teacher from Brazil and I've recently joined the Learn Your English teacher membership. Each month is dedicated to a topic of discussion such as task-based learning and teaching. The members are provided with uh, materials such as articles and videos to guide our learning moments and then we get the chance to discuss what we've learned with like-minded professionals and ask questions in an exclusive discussion forum. On top of that, we can attend a free monthly webinar and participate in Learn Your English courses at a discounted price. Since joining the community just a few months ago, I've noticed I'm developing a more critical eye as I plan my professional development, as I reflect upon the choices I make while planning my lessons and teaching, when I answer students' questions in class and when I try to help them become more autonomous learners. If you can relate to anything I've mentioned, I highly recommend you join us. Andrew, Mike and Leo are incredibly supportive people and I'm sure you'll learn a lot from them and with them. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Angela from Columbus, Ohio, and you're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. All right, here we are back with uh, uh, the last segment of our last episode of 2021. I have no idea what 2022 has in store, folks. No idea. But I am very optimistic about what might be happening next year. Um, and we all know this, that this pandemic has been a whole lot of a bunch of different things, and we have all been affected deeply. Um, and, and, you know, it, it really helps. I don't know for you folks, but I think those of you who are listening probably have experienced this. It really changed our perspective on what we do, how we spend our free time, our time with family. And when we think about the realm of work, I wanted to bring this up for, um, for, the, for the listeners here. And, and even to you, Mike and Andrew, that um, 
salary and benefits have historically topped the list for incentives for employees. However, there's been a very interesting recent uh, survey that I read showing that there is one thing that a lot of employees are looking for in a job, and it's not salary or benefits. Can you guess what it might be? Uh, work from home. Yeah, autonomy. Yeah, more control, autonomy, something like that. Flexibility. Exactly. Word, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's a work-life balance. I think a lot of people are um, are looking. It's a sought-after um, thing now. Like people really want to have that work-life balance, and I think teachers are not different because we don't really have a very good work-life balance. And we, together as a company, we're working together, designing a program that will actually give teachers that kind of work-life balance that they are all um, looking for. And with that in mind, I would like to ask the last question of 2021. And if you are listening or watching this episode, we would love to hear from you. So send us an email, comment on our YouTube channel, send us a message on Instagram. But the question is a very simple one. What has or what have been the biggest lesson you have learned in 2021? Wow. Mike, you go first on this one. I went first. Yeah, no, easy one. Perfection's your own worst enemy, right? Don't, uh, <laughs> don't get paralysis, perfection paralysis or whatever the saying is. Um, mm -hmm. uh, no, uh, as I said earlier, you got to Sempre avanti, right? Just keep mm -hmm. moving forward um, bit by bit, brick by brick, as Leo says, you know, Rome wasn't mm -hmm. built in one day. Um, it was built over hundreds of years, thousands of years, brick by brick, right? They're still so, building it, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like most cities of the world is always under construction. Traffic is still terrible. <laughs> so if you live in Canada, it's under construction when the <laughs> when the weather's warm enough to do it. But uh, yeah, no, no, I think... Um, Leo, your word was pivot. I think there's there's always a way. There's always a way forward. And um, don't let your perfection be your own worst enemy. And um, sometimes life is about ticking boxes. It's about getting up and producing something. Not a, It doesn't need to be the greatest thing. It just needs to be something that gets you moving forward. That's good. You know, there's, Andrew? there's a lot of cliches that that I use and that everyone uses in, in these cases and, you know, stay level and keep moving forward and all of these things. And, and the cliches are, are cliches for a reason because usually they're true in general senses. Um, but I'm really, I'm going to do a, a long winded kind of reverse answer here because there's been a trend uh, where, where you and I live, Leo, in, in terms of, of mm. the city and the general area. And I'm sure it's, it's the case in a lot of places in the world. And I think it speaks to what Mike kind of just said. Um, you know, starting in April of 2020 and through the pandemic, a lot of people have moved outside of Toronto, outside of big cities and have bought houses or moved to to smaller towns, uh, assuming, I'm assuming, because they prefer that kind of a lifestyle. Either it's it's financially more affordable or it's just quieter or it's whatever the case may be, uh, while working online, obviously, from their, their current job, if they were fortunate enough to, to maintain the job that they have. Um so making that salary, living somewhere else. And I'm curious to see what the trend will be, if people will be required to kind of come back to the city. Are they going to go back to this job? Are jobs going to um, kind of go with the tide, so to speak, in this trend of people wanting this more flexibility? And I think that speaks to, you know, what the current situation that anyone has doesn't have to be the permanent situation. And mm -hmm. what do you want to do? Um, 
you know, people that are moving out of the city, I'm assuming that they, that's not a, a, a new thought that they had. That's something that they probably wanted to do for a long time and felt like they couldn't. And then circumstances changed and it afforded them an opportunity to be able to do that. The circumstances that happened are unfortunate and disastrous for a lot of people, but it happened. So we can take advantage of situations that are thrust upon us to make decisions that we want to do. So if I live in a house that I you know, would prefer not to live in, I can I can change that. So I think it's it's having the courage, and this is another cliche, you know, saying the course and really having that vision and having the courage to take that first step and go through the process and knowing that there's going to be ebbs and flows and ups and downs. <laughs> and it's hard to do it in practice. It's easy to say it, but I think... You know, changing your circumstances can be minor, it can be drastic, but you can do it. I've done it, you've done it, Mike has done it, lots of people have done it. Mm. And I think that's something that, you know, whatever it is that people want to do, if you're listening to what you want to do, you can do it. Um, You Mm -hmm. just have to take the first step uh, in getting there and really, you know, if you have a job you don't like, quit. Go do something else. I think getting that house, to use this analogy of these people moving out, if that's something that really makes them happy, all the other things are just details. Do the thing that you want to do and the rest figure it out later. It's interesting you said that because I, I've been talking to a lot of um, teachers and a lot of them say to me, I'm not happy in my current job. I'm not happy with what I'm doing. And it kind of connects to what you said, Andrew, and what, what Mike said. And I'm going to try to like connect the dots here for us. It's You have to really focus on building something that works for you. You have to focus, if you are a teacher and you want to build a business, if you love working with one-on-one with clients, amazing, do it. If you love the freedom and and simplicity of offering a a study course, lean into that. We can help you with that. There's so much flexibility in the world of online business. And of course, it can be tempting to try to do it all. Um, But we've made that mistake. We know that. We know that very well. But I think I think to connect to what you both said is focusing on, on building uh, a life, a lifestyle or building a business that works for you. But that is not my lesson. My lesson for 2021 is that growing, which is connected to what you said, Andrew and Mike. And if you are a teacher listening to this episode and you're thinking about starting your own business in 2021, I'm going to tell you this. Growing an online business is an emotional roller coaster. Um, as Andrew said, there's going to be highs and lows, ebbs and flows, you know, um, sometimes you will feel, I felt overwhelmed many times. I felt discouraged many times. I felt angry many times. I was frustrated, but again, going back to what Mike said, I try to remind myself that it's totally normal and sempre avanti, always moving forward. And if I think I even thought about this, um, I think running your own business is by far one of the best personal and professional development exercises in the world. Why? For a lot of reasons. It's going to force you to develop all different sides of yourself. You have to be, you have to develop your leadership. You have to develop your confidence. You have to develop your money mindset. You know, there's so many different mindsets that you have to adopt and it's all packed into these entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurship um, or entrepreneurship game so whenever I'm struggling I try to be I've been trying to be really kind to myself and remember going back to that quote that I think would be a very good quote is that you don't need to know the destination you just need to know 
the direction. And the direction, folks, is enough to help you make the next choice. Change is scary, but most people know what they want. Um, just have to have the courage to, to, to go get it. And it doesn't have to be drastic. Like we're not saying jump out of a plane and see if the parachute works, you know? Right. You can take baby steps and try something out while still maintaining the other things that you're doing and then make That's a decision right. when you have a more informed decision on, on what is working and what isn't working um, as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think just to kind of touch on one final thing here is, is have faith in the universe, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Have faith that there are good forces out there that are going to help you along the way, right? That you are going to find that support that you, as Andrew said, you might not have the answers right now, but, but there, there will be an occasion when you might meet someone at the right point, just when you need them to kind of help you answer that question or deal with that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have to have faith in the universe, right? Every time you take a great leap, you need to remember that you're not by yourself. Even if it feels like you're by yourself, you're not. The universe works in weird ways and it brings amazing people together. I, I had the pleasure to meet Andrew and Leo. I never thought for a million years I would have met great people like Andrew and Leo, but the universe works that way, right? It'll, it'll, if you believe in yourself and you set yourself up for success, the universe will help you along. So just have exactly. Faith. And other, exactly. Pro- the world and other professions are actually, in my opinion, catching up to teachers because. Leo, you said that the most wanted, or the most desired quality of a job now is work-life balance. Well, that means everyone who is not a teacher, because teachers have never had work-life balance. So the rest of the professions are now catching up, and that will make it normal, and that will allow teachers to acquire it where maybe they yeah. weren't able to do it before. So the rest yeah. of the world is catching up, thank God, and now we're mm-hmm. we're not we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it, folks. Uh, We wish you a wonderful Christmas. Um, Happy New Year. And if you're listening to this podcast, once again, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share with other teachers. And we'll see you in January with a new episode, a new year of the Teacher Talking Time podcast. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.